Hello. Hello. I'm Zach. And I'm Imari. And, and we, we are, are free, free to, to be. be. Free to Be is a podcast for LGBTQ plus youth across the state of New York. We talk about all sorts of things that affect queer youth in the Empire State. Brought to you by Youth Power of Families Together in New York State. Youth Power is a network hosted by Families Together that is run for and by youth and young adults. We work to ensure young people have meaningful involvement in all levels of the services they receive. The opinions and viewpoints shared by staff and guests on this show do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Families Together in New York State. To learn more about us and our advocacy, visit ftnys.org. Thanks. And enjoy. I am going to try and make it a point to start confidently this time, because on our very first episode, I stumbled over my words and like forgot who I was for a second, which is just a really great start to your your entire podcast. 100%. I like it. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, do you want to be Zach today? Maybe that's the question. Maybe that was it. Maybe I just, I just didn't want to be be zach kilmer for a day would be would be nice to kind of just just step outside of your own identity for a little bit hello everyone uh hi i am i'm zach apparently and i'm imari maybe <laughs> we're, we're being we're being very very committal today <laughs> how you doing amari i am doing um Thankfully, these headphones make it so I can't hear any of the construction happening next door or the rain that might be happening outside. So I feel cocooned. That's the word of the day. Cocooned. I mean, that can, how long has that construction been going on for you? Like A long time, man. A long time. <laughs> oh my god, I can hear the, the, the desperation in your voice. Oh dear. Yeah. I walked to my house the other day and... My steps were filled with sawdust because now they are at the building phase. We have created a foundation. We have created walls. I see balconies happening. It looks very nice. I can't wait to like go into that building once it's completed. But for now, I just want it to be over. <laughs> I mean, the the fact that the foundation is done it has got to be a good sign. Like that's right. Like I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know yeah. literally nothing about construction, but like what they have to be at least like a third of the way done. I'm just I want to say I'm so. completely pulling that out of nowhere. So <laughs> I, I just like opened up my construction manual and totally now that they've completed the foundation, all things are great. No, they like built a foundation. Then they built like this big tower that's going to like have an elevator in it, which was cool to see. Um, and then they just started building wood around all of this concrete, which I thought was, you know, OK, sure. But they, they did like the first floor and the second floor in one week. And I think now they're just trying to like solidify that before they go up. I think it's going to be four floors high. Yeah, a while back I was having my landlord needed to replace the roof on my building, which I mean, it, it needs to be done. It needs to be done. However, I live on the second floor and I work from home mm -hmm. and everything is closed. So mm -hmm. I had absolutely no choice but to basically sit here and attempt to work while, like, just the the no noises of the gods were just bearing down right above me, starting at seven in the morning for like that was only for three days too. I don't know how you've been dealing with it for God knows how long that that building's been constructed because I was ready to lose my marbles like day and a half in basically. It's it's getting to be a lot. 
especially because like they're at the window of my room a lot just because that's the corner that they have all their equipment in and I just see too many people too close to my room who I haven't let inside my house. <laughs> it's starting to, you know, I feel like we should introduce each other, like ourselves to each other. I feel like I should know their names. They should know mine. Get acquainted. Like, I don't know. Give them some lemonade. <laughs> Something. Welcome to the Zach and Amari Complain About Construction Outside of Their Residence podcast. Woohoo. The very interesting and very long-winded title. <laughs> It's totally what this this month is about. Construction. <laughs> um so to get into the actual thing we're going to we're going to talk about. Um so this month which I did not know until you told me earlier was International Non-Binary People not mhm nope there it mm-hmm. is. You know yep. this time at least I got like what 5 minutes in without yeah just scrambling my words. <clears throat> I think that was a great run. Yeah, yeah. It, it may be over time, like a year from now, I'll just actually be able to speak the whole time. Okay. Celebration of International Non-Binary People's Day. That's what I meant Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I, 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 honestly, I didn't know about it either until, like, I try and keep a calendar of, like, queer adjacent events happening in, in a year. Um, and I saw that and I was like, yes, totally. That's the one. Um, International Non-Binary People's Day is July 14th. Just a side note, if I ever start a band, I really want it to be called the Queer Adjacent Event. (laughs) That would be an excellent band name. Um, I'm very interested in what the logo looks like. What's the symbol? Like, how do you, how do you visually display Queer Adjacent? I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) <laughs> i've had this idea for about 22 seconds so i'm gonna need some, yes. some more time to to hash it mm. out but um yeah I, I i need a i need a business plan i need a proposal yeah i'm looking for like concrete information we're we're off the foundation here man <laughs> we're i'm we're going to play exclusively covers of Cher and abba nothing else <laughs> no i need a little bit of shakira i said share and abba <laughs> Okay, what were we talking about? Oh, right. Um, International (laughs) Non-Binary People's Day. So, yeah, that happened uh, this month, July. Uh, Was it the 4th? I want to say it was like 14th. 14th. Ooh, I remember that. Yeah. Snap, snap. So, in celebration of that, Amari and I decided we're going to have an episode talking all about non-binary identities. Uh, Mm -hmm. What that what that means and later in the second half of the show we're going to have an interview with a guest our first time having a guest on the show i know i'm very excited excited. what we're gonna do is for this first half we're gonna go over kind of like non-binary what that means we're gonna throw a lot of stuff at you um Mm -hmm. so kind of a disclaimer like the first episode me and amari were both queer identifying people but we're not experts in this by any stretch of the imagination so we might get some stuff wrong gender and sexuality is a very fluid and like no pun intended um gender fluid isn't it that that pun will make sense in like 27 seconds 15 to yeah something like that time Um, is also a construct that's 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 true i don't really know what day it is Uh, i know it's vaguely july-ish um yeah but yeah, we're going to go over some really basic, fundamental, like, kind of gender studies 101 stuff. We're going to define some stuff. We're going to 
uh, tell you some stuff, kind of just so you have a context for what we're talking about. Because we don't want to assume what you know. Like, for example, like a few years ago when I was in college, like even though I am an identifying member of the community and was even back then, like I didn't know a lot of this stuff in terms of like gender because I happen to be cisgender, which is, again, a completely planned segue. Um, <laughs> so that, you know, that'll be our first word. We'll, we're going to do a Sesame Street word of the day style thing, except there's several of them, several words oh. of the day. So cisgender is a term that basically means you. So I'll read the official definition here that I got denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. So basically, the gender that you identify as matches with what was initially printed on your birth certificate, more or less. Um, I would not be considered cisgender. I would be made, like cis-assumed since my gender is different than what my birth sex was, even though it's assumed to be what a birth sex would be. Uh, I don't know that part, but... So I am, I would not be considered cisgender. I've, I've heard the term, I don't know if you would use this, but like I've heard trans people say um, like cis passing before. And that, yeah. that gets into this whole other can of worms. Yeah. But that's how, <laughs> but we're not going to go down that road because, well, okay, well, I guess just. I, I'll lift the can, but then I'll close the can back up because I think it's an important can to have. Okay, it's like, like a little Pandora's box. We're going to take a quick peek and then immediately shut it. And then we're going to close it up. We're going we're just going to close it up. But <laughs> yeah, um, I know some people do like consider cis passing to be a term that they identify with. I personally, my own opinion is uh, I don't really care for the term. The sense of a person who's transgender or gender nonconforming passing or not passing in society still denotes that there's a gender binary that we have to subscribe to in order for our identities to be valid and i don't feel that i i highly don't feel that for myself that my assumed gender is necessary to validate my identity and i hope that others feel that by not having to assume somebody's gender that that affirms or lessens the affirmation of somebody's actual identity um, because Transgender bodies, non-binary bodies, um, gender non-conforming bodies, and their ways of expression are entirely individualized, and they can still, we can all still identify how we identify without, quote, quote, looking a specific part. Um, and with that, I will close said Pandora's box. That was very, very eloquently said, and if I did- Thank you for so there. Like I guess to summarize, uh, I think this would be fair to say um, you don't you don't need to pass to be valid is something I've heard thrown around a lot, and I think that's an important not what we're specifically talking about today, but a really important thing to emphasize. Yeah. Um. So and since you mentioned it when you were just talking there, um, yeah, it was gender purposeful segue. So gender binary. So ge the. Gender binary, it's basically this idea, it's the classification of gender into two distinct opposite forms of masculine and feminine, whether by social system or cultural belief. I And, and me and Amarian pretty much, so we kind of subscribe to the idea that the gender binary is mostly bogus, so um, mm -hmm. uh, 
Uh, we just kind of wanted to define it. Like a lot of these terms, we, we just want to say we're going to be using them a lot in both our discussion in the first half and possibly in our discussion in the second half. So we want to make sure that everyone knows what they mean. So we're on the same. So we're all speaking the, the same language, same gendery language. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think like just an anecdote. I had a, like in high school, I had this mentor who would just like come to the school and chill out with me and my friends and stuff. And she was in a gender women's studies class here at UAlbany. And I just wanted to look through her books because like I wanted to be that cool, like, you know, college before college student. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. And in there, it, it, um, it defined gender and sex for me in a way that just like blew my mind and like how sex is well we have it defined so i'm just gonna say that this is all purposeful segue um sex is like we deep. plan this out completely we are everything is scriptive yes it's not <laughs> but like sex is either is either of the two main categories, male or female, into which humans and most other living things are divided divided on based on their reproductive functions. And this is set typically at one's birth. And then gender is one's innermost concept of self as male, female, a blend of both or neither. How individuals perceive themselves and what they call themselves and when I read these two definitions I think it really like shook my world because I was just like whoa there's actually a difference between like your sex what you can be assigned at birth or what a a, a gendered or binary label that somebody could put on you based on your upbringing and then how a person feels within themselves, how you identify for yourself. And these two things can be valid even though they, even if they don't coincide with one another, even if they don't agree. And I thought that was like super transformative for me and like getting to learn more about the gender binary and learning about how that could just look like all fluid and whatnot it can't be uh, it can't be visually represented but amari just did kind of a squid dance that was meant to represent fluidity and it was brilliant <laughs> it was on point it was scripted too <laughs> um yeah i and i highly recommend so if this is like let's say this is your first introduction to literally any of these subjects and you want to learn more one of the most useful tools I have ever used for like describing some of this stuff, it's called, I don't know if you've ever seen this, it's like, Amari, it's called the genderbred person. Um, yes. Yeah, so go, just Google genderbred person, it'll be one of the first things that comes up. And basically someone, I forget who, uh, I think I think it was actually a comedian, um, wrote, drew out this uh, g- uh, gingerbread person, and it's a very... So it has arrows pointing everywhere. It's like pointing to the head and it's like this is where gender expression is and this is like pointing to the heart and it's like this is sexuality and who you're attracted to. Um, Like it does a very, very great job of visually representing basically everything we're talking about. So if absolutely nothing we're saying is making sense right now, just Google genderbred person and hopefully it'll maybe click. It'll be like, oh, and then maybe you'll want some cookies too, which is just a side benefit. (laughs) Yeah, I actually use the gender genderbred person when I'm doing like my own presentations on like LGBTQ education and inclusion because I think it's a beautiful representation, like a visual representation of what fluidity can look like. 
And I think there's another one too, but I can't think of it right now. But yeah, highly suggest this is obviously an audio podcast, so we can't show it to you. But if you want, just Google it. It'll it, it helps visualize a lot of what we're discussing in a very like kind of easy to digest digest way. Um, Great. You just kind of talked about sex and gender. So we kind of in a roundabout way get to the main point we're discussing today, non-binary gender identity. So you said um, you said it really well when you were talking about it. It's uh, how you identify as like male, female or anything in between or neither. That's what you mm-hmm. said, right? That's what I said. That's what probably William. I mean, I mean, who is it? Webster's Dictionary probably says also. I don't know William or Webster, but they defined it this way um, <laughs> as, yeah, a concept like they, they explain gender as like a concept of self as male, female, a blend of both or neither. And I do love that part because that does go into like transgender in a way that does go into non-binary in a way. And like some overarching topics like within, outside, adjacent to. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a very good way to like, there's a lot of different non-binary gender identities. It's definitely one of those um, LGBTQ plus umbrella terms that like kind of, or more like, honestly, you could call it almost like a spider web or like a tree, just like roots that kind of go into a whole bunch of different things, but you can kind of just loosely classify a whole bunch of different stuff. As I was doing research for this episode, I found, uh, so Non-Binary People's Day, it was actually placed um, directly in between International Men and International Women's Day, specifically, like, for that reason, which I thought was very cute. I love that. Yeah. We might talk about some of these individual ones. Uh, We're not going to probably define each individual. So here are just some examples of different non-binary identities definitely not all inclusive this is just like kind of scratching the surface type deal so people who are non-binary but they identify to some extent with a particular gender might describe themselves as demigender which kind of breaks down into demi boy demi girl or demi fluid Um, and there are also many other types such as bigender multi-gender gender neutral agender androgynous Gender fluid, gender queer, butch, or heterosexual? Am I? I well, I really betrayed my <laughs> unfamiliarity with that last term. With <laughs> my, you could hear the question mark when I said that word. <laughs> it's one of those things. I realized I've only seen it like written and not like ever said it out loud. And internally, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh no! Now I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to commit and go for it. Right commit, now. commit." You've got it. <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, so those are, um, Anna Mari, if there's any like individual ones there you want to talk about and go for it. But uh, those are some of like, again, definitely not an all-inclusive list. Um, those are just some of, maybe not, most popular is not the right word. Like a lot, a lot of the most common ones you might hear in LGBTQ plus discourse a lot of the time. Words are hard. Words are hard, especially in like COVID times where I converse with my Roku TV remote more than I do actual people. Um, (laughs) But I think I want to define like trans and non-binary a little bit more just so that like it supports some of those identities that we're going to like 
go into. I'm saying the like a lot, but like words are hard. So uh, like it or not. <laughs> but transgender like is the umbrella term for people whose gender identity and or expression is different from cultural expectations based on their sex they were assigned at birth. So as I was saying earlier, I would be an assumed cis person, but I identify as transgender because my gender identity is different from uh, how I identified or was raised as a child or what I was assigned at birth. And within or aside of that is non-binary, which is can also be abbreviated to NB, like E-N-B-Y. But yeah, so there's like many ways for people to write um, non-binary, uh, but Non-binary or genderqueer is a spectrum uh, a spectrum of gender identities that are not exclusively masculine or feminine identities. And these identities are outside of the gender binary. But that is just like a, I don't know, such a small definition for, I think, non-binary because it can look so many different ways. Just like transgender people can look so many different ways, non-binary people can look so many different ways cis people can look so many different ways which is like off the theory of my own theory of you know just do what feels right to you what feels natural for you your expression is your own um and i love that that there's now an identity that reclaims all of that even though scripted segue it's not always um legal to do so I may be able to change my gender identity from male to female if that's how I feel fit. But what if I feel femme mask and I want a legal gender identity to represent that in certain states and certain countries that's not available? And I think personally that sucks. It, 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 it definitely does suck. To make a point of that, so unfortunately, and we have this written down here, yeah, most countries don't recognize, like, any kind of non-binary identity as a legal gender, which is, to put it very mildly, a bummer. But uh, recently, um, so Australia, Bangladesh, Canada, Denmark, Germany, India, the Netherlands, New Zealand, all include non-binary gender options on passports in 18 U.S. states allow residents to mark their genders as X on their driver's license, which mm-hmm. is a really cool thing. Yeah, and and X is actually, that gets off into another tangent. X is often a way to kind of visually represent uh, a lot of non-binary identities. Like, I know, um, like, for example, like, uh, there's the Latin X community. So that's mm-hmm. like... Uh, Latino or Hispanic people who identify as non-binary, um, so they they have an X at the end instead of uh, like our instead of like Latino or La- Latina. Like that's uh, basically a way to kind of like combine both of those unique aspects of their identity. So that's uh, honestly that like all fifty states should should really have that, and that's like being able to at least like mar- mark an X on the driver's license, like. I feel like it's it's a way more accurate representation for a lot of people than just the the M or the F. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, a lot of states are moving towards, well, not a lot of states, but some states have moved towards the X. Um, I know for New York State, 
it's um, been a lot. Like there's been so many people who've been advocating longer than I had the language to identify what these terms really meant um, for there to be an X identity um, on driver's licenses. Um, and then even getting even deeper into it, if you're uh, if you have a, are a passport holder, um, if you do international travel, there's other aspects that you have to think about your gender identity and how that is represented in um, safety. And I just want us to be in a place where everything is just fine and everything is great and everybody accepts everybody for being individuals because that's the utopia I live in in my head. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like this, this is gonna be a little bit of a bummer, but that's something a lot of like my straight friends don't re- like. We, I I've had a few conversations where we've talked about like vacations and traveling, and mm-hmm. they'll talk about certain places. I'm like, yeah, they're nice, but like me and my partner can't go there. They're like, what? Why not? I'm like, uh, their politics are again too sugar coated a lot, not exactly friendly to who i am and choose to exist as so like Mm -hmm. kind like trying to vacation as a queer couple basically you just kind of like immediately it narrows down the options it it makes it (laughs) like it helps with my indecisiveness but literally nothing else right and i feel that too as like um, I'm a first generation Jamaican American person. So my father was born in Jamaica and I have never been because for so long I knew I was queer and I know that Jamaica is not the friendliest place for, or the, not even the friendliest place, but the safest place to be a queer person openly or privately. And like to worry about that when the thought of like seeing family or seeing where my fa- my my father grew up, where my grandmother lived, yeah, it's a Debbie Downer on the episode, but like it can be scary to live in a world that is cis- is so cis assumed that anything deviant makes you a target. Well, and th- this is an important like it, it is definitely a bummer, but sometimes there there's a lot of like well-meaning like straight and cis people that i know who this is like they just don't they just don't know about stuff like Mm -hmm. this like like for a for like let's say this like a cisgender heterosexual couple like they can this is an example i use all the time to demonstrate this idea like they can just like walk around in public holding hands like that is something i have to make an active decision about like i have to I literally, every time I'm walking with my boyfriend, Kimo, somewhere, and quite frankly, I live in Staten Island, which is, um, let's say, culturally distinct from the other boroughs of New York City, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to put it as politely as I can. I have to I have to make a decision of, do I want to potentially deal with some nonsense today every time I go to hold his hand? And, like, that's something that, like, straight cis people don't really a lot of the time and i don't want to assume every situation obviously but like it it, that does a really good job of illustrating the idea that if you're queer or if you're gender non-conforming especially like i have that privilege like i don't even have to worry about that because i'm cis Mm -hmm. but a lot of gender non-conforming people like they have to they have to worry about that kind of thing when they walk outside of the house depending on like where they live or where they want to go and that's something that a lot of um like heterosis people just don't realize not even out of like it's it's just not something they have to like think about and it's 
it's a good thing to know like what your queer friends kind of have have to deal with sometimes. Yeah, and I think even from like the trans perspective, um, I can only speak on my own experience because as our last episode, we are not a monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my own experience is still, even though I have identified mentally and physically with where I'm at now, I have dueling thoughts in my head because I was socialized in a gender that I no longer appear like I no longer answer to I no longer is no longer associated with me but that socialization impacts like the way that I may speak to somebody the courtesy that I give that you know typical cis men no offense that um like just don't give uh generally and that has a different impact I think than somebody who is visibly in between or neither because, you know, in my assumed cisness, in my assumed manhood, uh, well, not assumed manhood, this is all manhood, but like... <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing, it, there's no assumptions going on here. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, I think that's my own assumedness, but like other people's, you know, affirmness in my current gender, there's no question of, you know, is he X or is he Y or does he do this or does he do that? All of my assumptions are based off of the fact that somebody is seeing me as a cis black man. And the assumptions come from cis black manness aren't always great. They're sometimes really great. And I love to prove and disprove certain crap. But um, generally, it's based out of cishoodness. Cishood when, makes it sound like you were like knighted as a cis person. Um, I'm not going to divulge who, who knighted me, where it happened at. But I will say, you know, this one time I met India more, and I think that that's that's like, I feel like I was knighted. <laughs> I doth pronounce you cisgender. <laughs> so say we all. So say we all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, um, and this is only my my thought process, trying to put myself in shoes that are not my own. Um, for non-binary people to be seen as like both neither or a part of or adjacent to or everything around but not able to put your finger on it can add to a level of like weirdness when it comes to socialization. I think, you know, as I was taught, it was, you know, you say, ma'am, you say, sir, that is your regard to other individuals as a form of respect. And growing up recognizing that that's not respect, especially when you are gendering somebody before actually meeting them, before knowing how they identify. Uh, I had a meeting earlier today, and before we even introduced ourselves on Zoom, it's, hey, what are your pronouns? I just want to know so that I'm addressing you in the, the most correct space. And that's something I can appreciate more than going into it and assuming that I'm cis or me assuming that that person was cis and they go off of X pronouns um, when really our lives can be so more expansive than what meets the eye. Um, Those were a lot of words. I think I went off off script, Zach. How dare you? I'm revoking (laughs) your knighthood. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, geez. Um, Yeah, actually, I'm I'm glad that you brought up pronouns because that's something else we want to uh, bring up. Yeah, I I I do love the trend of um, more and more like professional spaces that I'm a part in. It's kind of just being assumed that you give your pronouns first type deal. 
Like, it's not everywhere, but it's, like, happening more and more often. Like, I'm seeing pronouns more in, like, people's emails, like, mm-hmm. uh, like Twitter bios. Like, in a like, that was basically the default. D- default? Dif- <laughs> mm-hmm. The default in a lot of queer spaces I was in. But it's becoming more and more, like, spaces I wouldn't assume that that's a thing that people would do and, like, be cool with. It's, like, happening more, which I think is a great... So it's a really good trend that I've been noticing lately, which is nice because it takes like the any kind of ambiguity out of it because, you know, right out the gate. I've been trying to make it a habit of just going with um, they them pronouns for people who I don't know how they identify, which mm-hmm. is, again, another perfectly planned segue. Um, so a lot of non-binary, not all of them. Definitely. But a lot of non-binary people use they, them pronouns by default. So they don't go with he, they don't go with she, just in in everything they do, they prefer to be um, referred to as uh, they, them. Not all non-binary. Mm-hmm. Not, not, mm-hmm. oh my God. Mm-hmm. This is just. I think it's, I'm blaming all the double negative. Thank you. But not all non-binary folks like use they, them pronouns. And. Pronouns can, like, look so expansive. Uh, there's Z, Zer, Zim. I, I can't even name all of the pronouns that there are. And, like, some of them have, like, roots in femininity and masculinity just to identify how that person's non-binary looks like to them. And I guess around the discussion of pronouns i think they're so significant and significant not to be like named as like preferred pronouns but they're just my pronouns like my pronouns i don't even know if i said this before dang y'all i'm sorry my pronouns are he and they and i like to make it a point to say like he and they because i use them interchangeably and uh so there could be a non-binary person who prefers well not just prefers but like their pronouns are she and him. Yeah. Well, Shem. I, I've then. noticed there is definitely a trend from getting, like, the term, I feel like just a few years ago was, like, preferred pronouns. And mm-hmm. a lot, I, I feel like we're beginning to transition into, like, no, these are just my pronouns. Like, this comes off as really aggressive, but I have seen it worded as my pronouns are not preferred, they are mandatory. Yes. <laughs> like, which, yeah. is, which is harsh, but accurate. Uh, I've yeah. seen it phrased that way. But yeah, uh, it's just like, that's. How they identify, so that's like what their that's what their pronouns are. Like it's, um, mm-hmm. I almost view it as like it's just being, well, a it's just obviously being res- respectful, but it's also like being accurate. It's just what the pronouns are. Like I'm drinking coffee right now. Um, I if I said I'm drinking water, it would be an inaccurate statement. It's it, like it, it's just wrong. Like it's the mm-hmm. the same thing goes with people and what their pronouns are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that has like so much significance to use the right pronouns. And also, I think alongside of that is just the human aspect of people mess up. I know I mess up with, sometimes I mess up with my own pronouns. Um, sometimes I do it on purpose. Sometimes it's like a happy accident. But there are times where you may say the wrong pronoun and the initial um, redemption feeling is to apologize profusely to that person or to the people that you're around um, who you've misgendered. In my case, but, it's apologize and then uh, think about the social transgression for the next five to six years when I'm trying to go to bed at 3 a.m. <laughs> that, that's that with, is, and that's with you know, every social interaction I always have forever and I hate it. 
you know, that's just a part of my generalized anxiety. Not at all a part of my, my queer identity. Uh, re- rewriting but, conversations I had to be be better is like my favorite yeah. activity. But yeah, like, just, again, not in all cases, but a lot of times, like, just going with they, them is usually the safest option if you have absolutely no idea. And this, which is why it's great in a lot of spaces, it's uh, great that it's being said right from the get-go. So there's no, like... less room i'd say making there's obviously always room to make mistakes which is why this trend of pronouns being made available right from the get-go makes me very happy as someone who clearly misspeaks a lot yeah um i even would say like even if because i'm a person who will say they them until i know somebody's pronouns but actively asking you know even if it's not that person if I'm speaking to a friend about somebody that they know, say, hey, do you know their pronouns? And yes, in that situation, I am using they and them, they, them, there to identify who I'm speaking about. But even in that conversation to ask, like, do you know this person's pronouns so that I can start in the future referring to them and the pronouns that they identify with? Even if the person responds, actually, I don't know. I've never asked their pronouns. I'm assuming it's X. You can start having a mind frame that at some point this can be changed. And you can learn more information to identify them in ways that better, uh, you know, suit their identity. And as I was going to say before, with the like uh, messing up with pronouns, it's like we are all human beings who sometimes makes make mistakes. From my own trans experience, it is customary to like very much be apologetic for messing up your pronouns and to want to mitigate the harm that comes in and misgendering somebody. And in my experience, it's less impactful for people to continuously apologize rather than to take the moment as a learning opportunity for yourself. And yeah, say the sorry once and then from there on use the correct pronouns. Because One of the as, best as, apologies as a, is changed behavior. Yes, 100%. Like for me as a person who has identities, who has, who has had identities with people that has changed over the years, I can't do anything about the learning that you have to do. Like I'm not going to be here to walk you through every step of this because I am going through these steps on my own. And it's enough for me to take on the bear, take, take on, uh, I wouldn't say a burden because I, I love my identities, but it's enough for me to deal with myself rather than having to help and teach every aspect of of these things to my friends and close uh, family members. So I I just want to say for those who aren't in the non-binary community and who may mess up in the future, whether it's in your head, um, in a dream, you dream of them in the wrong pronouns, it's happened. I've heard these stories before. And like you you want to make the effort to show that you are doing the work within yourself um, to that person. There are people who will be very appreciative that you say something to them about it. But if I'm being very blunt and completely honest, we can't do much with that. So um, like, I think it's best for you to like, keep that for yourself as a learning experience for yourself to change your own behavior and, and continue to grow and to be thankful that you have a window opening your mind enough to recognize that that's a, a, a conversation for growth within you. What Amari said. so uh, last bit we want to get to in the first half is um no i don't think any kind of non-binary 101 type discussion would be complete without talking about the two-spirit community 
So I'm going to read from here. So two-spirit is a term that refers to a person who identifies as having both a masculine and feminine spirit and is used by some indigenous people to describe their sexual, gender, and or spiritual identity. It's an umbrella term that encompasses uh, same-sex attraction and a wide variety of gender variants, including people who might be described in Western culture as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, or transgender, genderqueer. So yeah, but yeah, two-spirit is kind of an umbrella term that was describes a phenomenon that's been in many native cultures for hundreds of years. It's it's kind of a recent term that's encompasses a lot of ideas that were in that were that yeah, that were in a lot of uh native indigenous tribes in North America. And yeah, I, I just think that's that's real cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that not <laughs> that not that cool. obviously not that anyone any the uh, two spirit indigenous person needs my white person approval but <laughs> hot, hot take i think that's neat <laughs> yeah i i do think it um i forgot how i got introduced to the term two spirit but i was like you know anything gender women's studies related fact that is not typically taught to us in what some may say primary schooling is just like groundbreaking information for me. And actually, I think I was in college when I heard about it for the first time. It was my freshman year. And we actually had um, a trans woman come in and do a some speaking engagement at the school. I very, very vaguely remember this because school's been actually a long time ago. Which is still weird concept for me. Um, I turn twenty seven soon. Don't even you know? Get, get started, <laughs> man. Oof. Bro, same, same. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going through things. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think the term two spirit was mentioned there. And I, you know, in my prehistoric web searching days, like looked into it more. But it was the first time there was a concept of gender fluidity that surpassed like my lifetime i thought terms like genderqueer gender fluid androgyny were explicit to like the late 80s until now and the concept of two-spirit made it so that there is a interesting history being uncovered that notes um, indigenous folks especially indigenous people of Native America, of, of North America, having queerness in, in integrated in their society, which is something that in my upbringing, queerness is identified as like a new and deviant thing. Um, so I think understanding two-spirit people more um, helped me to learn about like the, the, the vast history of of non-binary of, of of a sense of non-binary people and there was a time where i was like yes totally this is me i am two-spirit but i am not a native person so I, I i feel like i cannot embellish that terminology as a non-native person to be two-spirit but it, it it helped me to look into other indigenous forms of non-binary ism that's a word now check William Webster. Um, <laughs> William, please approve this new word for us. Thank you. Thank you. He is knighted. But uh, 
there's like this really, really dope, I think it's still on Netflix, but there was this really dope Netflix like documentary. I think it's called Kumahina, K-U-M-U-H-I-N-A, two words. And it was so expansive and great and beautiful to watch like the indigenous people, like this indigenous term from the people of Hawaii, where there is a term in a respect towards people who are non-binary and kumahina talks of mahau i believe it's pronounced m-a-h-u people which mahau literally means in the middle and it speaks of gender uh there being a third gender and those people being respected at 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 a high regard and i thought that was beautiful it goes back to two-spirit and learning about that like there were transgender uh, Native Americans and those individuals could go from male to female and female to male and they were held at like the highest like ranks of society they were thought to be spiritual leaders these are all like weird anecdotal thoughts in my head so this is completely off script but I encourage everybody to like do their own investment into learning more about it because uh, I think it's said in the beginning we are not like bro like professors of queerness even though i think that would be a really dope title i would love to be a professor of queerness <laughs> and i i thought it was just so amazing to see how in north america and in the americas there is this uh concept of like gender nonconformity that is native to land and like seeing that in jamaican history and african history um it inspired me to do more research and history for my own self to find identities that are native to my own um upbringing and it's just i don't know i could go on forever about two spirits yeah Uh, honestly (laughs) i feel like at some point we definitely want to do we're barely scratching the surface here Um, i definitely wanted to bring it up because it's definitely an integral part of the conversation about what non-binary genders are but Mm -hmm. um like we definitely at some point want to do a full episode on uh two spirit stuff because i uh, we yeah it's it's a really really fascinating really in-depth topic that does definitely not get covered in any kind of primary school like you said i mean if if you or someone you know is uh, identifies as a uh, like two-spirit person we would absolutely love to talk to you for a future episode just gonna, yeah. just gonna th- throw throw that out there for sure and i just want to like add in that like gender nonconformity and the different ways that it's expressed whether trans or uh, non-binary or anything in between or adjacent has been around i think like well i don't think i know that these concepts have been around since before we were thoughts and our grandparents uh, minds before we were conceptualized in the universe and i think it's amazing that there's history to back that thought up we are here we are queer or jason and we will forever be yeah i think this does a re- the entire concept of two spirit does a really good job of demonstrating that there's a lot of let's say misinformed people who think some of this like i've literally heard some people refer to that this lgbtq plus stuff um, is like new quote unquote mm-hmm. and this does a really good job of demonstrating that it's not like a lot of these concepts have been around for hundreds of years it's just they didn't like um okay google home <laughs> my google home was literally just like i'm sorry i don't understand apparently my google home is my voice activated speaker powered by the 
Google. Okay. To enjoy music, get answers from Google. Nope. Okay. We'll just let this. We'll just let this run. <laughs> yep. Are you done? I'm trying to talk about Maybe. non-binary genders here, Google. All right. <laughs> um, I completely forgot what I was saying. That just derailed my train uh, of thought really hard. They, yeah, it got me too. Um, uh, two, two, two spirit indigenous people. They are, they are cool and awesome and uh, integral part of the conversation about non-binary gender identities. To, to, to summarize. Cool. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, throw in there, Amar, before we go to the break? Hmm. Anything you wanted to add, Google? You, you're, you're clearly very talkative today. No? Okay, good. Oh, okay. Okay, Google. <laughs> <laughs> that just initiates, every, initiates everybody's Google home, <laughs> just by me saying that. Oh, my God, yeah. If you're playing that, if you're playing this through, like, a speaker in your house, we're really sorry. <laughs> but also, low-key, that's kind of funny, so. Yes. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> no, I'm all set. I'm excited to... Uh, bring in our first guest of the podcast yeah. after the break. So I guess you have to wait a little bit. Just like a few minutes. It's not. Just you, a few you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be. It's okay. Fine. It's okay. Everything's it's great. Everything's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for listening. We would like to quickly tell you a few things about what Families Together in New York State is doing that you might be able to take part in. During the COVID-19 pandemic, advocacy has become more important than ever. Visit our website at ftnys.org to view our digital advocacy center to learn more about how you can get involved with foster care, children's behavioral health, educational justice, and justice system involved youth advocacy. These are all issues that disproportionately affect LGBTQ plus youth in New York. Our Digital Advocacy Center gives you all the tools you need to fight for change on these issues, while still practicing social distancing and being safe during this unprecedented time. Later this year, we will be holding virtual youth leadership forums. These forums are for young people to speak up, build skills, and prepare to take on leadership roles. This peer-run forum brings opportunities to youth and gives the next generation of leaders the tools and supports they need for success. To address health and safety concerns, we have decided to hold these forums virtually. Stay tuned and visit our website at youthpower.ftnys.org for more information. We are accepting applications for the Youth Power Leadership Council. You can create systems change and bring youth voice to the highest level of government. As part of the YP Council, you would oversee the work our network does to amplify youth voice while gaining skills and experience. Apply today at bit.ly slash YPNC survey. That is bit.ly slash capital YPN, lowercase c, uppercase s, lowercase u-r-v-e-y. Lastly, be sure to follow us on all social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com backslash families together NYS and facebook.com backslash youthpower.ny. We are also on Twitter at FTNYS and at youthpowerny. We're also on Instagram at youthpowerny. 
If you want to send either Amari or I an email about the podcast or about Youth Power of Families Together, you can shoot us a message at zkilmer at ftnys.org or iwilson at ftnys.org. Let's get back to the show. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back. To you, that was two to three minutes, but in the in-between time, it's been about an hour or two, and I had a grilled cheese sandwich, so I'm, 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 feeling, I'm feeling pretty good, not going to lie. That sounds good. I had leftover Chinese food. That is always that, a, a delicacy. That is such a treat. Eh, well, I tried something new. It, I, it won't happen again. I'm so sorry to the grandpa <laughs> gods. It won't happen again. I you me. Like that sounded like I, I wanted to venture out, and then you were like, "I regret it immediately." I, I do, I did. It, it was, it was. No <laughs> new food ever again. <laughs> Stick to the peanut butter and jellies I'm used to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, who is that? Oh my gosh, a, a third <laughs> voice. I wandered in here. <laughs> Never into happened the, before. Into this Zoom call, <laughs> which is definitely a thing that can happen on accident. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, if you would love to uh, in- introduce yourself, uh, yes, uh, that would be great. Hello, I'm a ghost. Just kidding. Haha. Um, my name is Zoe Lewis. I am a student in the Troy East Greenbush Albany Schenectady area. I could have just said Capital Region, I suppose, but here it's we are. Schools, well, yeah. there's a lot of people <laughs> who probably listen who aren't as familiar with the the Albany area, so it it can be helpful. This is a New York-wide podcast, so. All right, then we got specifics in there. Um, And I'm here to talk about being non-binary and its adjacent things that come with that. (laughs) Hooray. We are very, very, very happy to have you. How does it feel being the first ever guest on Free to Be? Oh, my goodness. First of all, it's an honor. Second of all, now the pressure's on a little bit. <laughs> Only <laughs> a little. Set a precedent, just a little bit. Yeah. But very yeah, excited. set the bar. Set the, oh, gee, oh, boy. <laughs> you're you're setting the tone for guests for the rest of the show's history. No pressure. Yeah, no, no pressure, no pressure. Nothing at it's all. It's fine. It's fine. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Real quick, we were talking about this extensively in the first half. Uh, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she and they. I have no preference either way as to which is used. Awesome. So they can be perfectly interchangeable. Yes. Good to know. Excellent. Yeah. We were in the first half discussing, basically we were giving a gender 101, uh, defining some vocabulary terms, stuff like that for uh, some people who might not be as I- I- informed about uh, this kind of stuff. And we were talking about how it's it's a it seems to be a positive trend that a lot of professional spaces seem to be like encouraging, like giving pronouns about like right from the get go. Like I see them a lot more in like people's email signatures, like just Mm -hmm. in the beginning of meetings, like stuff like that, which is uh, really, really, really nice. Yeah. Agreed. I I think it's like, it's not something that I feel is a huge, you know, adjustment to make. And I feel like it makes the world of a difference to some people Um, like putting it in email signatures and I've seen people put it next to their name in zoom calls, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's greatly beneficial and not a huge change to make if it's something you're not used to. Well, and I feel like especially in um, COVID-19 times, I don't even know what to call call this period in history. I mean, besides awful. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, the um, one benefit, I mean, since all of these meetings are digital, like it's a lot easier to just like kind of list that. Like as opposed to in person, you kind of have to 
either say it or like man, I see some people do like they put them on like name tents. I've seen yeah. that like in in-person meetings on like tables and stuff. I've also seen buttons which are really nice. Like I oh, like yeah. I actually went to um a video game convention once and there was like a, a diversity lounge with a bunch of like queer and like POC stuff in it and like they had buttons where it was like uh, my pronouns are he, her, my, my pronouns are she, them, uh, my pronouns are they, them, and even ones that, like, ask me, like, just for all the, all the community and stuff, so that's a yes. good way to do that physically, but in the digital space, it almost seems like it's kind of easier to put that out from the get-go. For sure, definitely agreed. I also am a fan of the buttons. I have a set of buttons myself. Some of them <laughs> that are I also really, like, well-designed and cute. Yes, yeah. I have super cute ones. Mine's are, mine are, like, teal, and they got, like, confetti on them. I'm like, Ooh. oh. I'm a fan of buttons, period. Yeah. That's true. But also, like, anything that's queer-related and is a button. It's like, I probably I have it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite buttons, um, someone who used to work at Families Together uh, got it for me. I'm, I'm into, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, but uh, my lawn is being mowed outside of my uh, apartment. I don't want to complain about it because that would make me, that, that's like the most like millennial thing I think I've ever heard. Just, <laughs> how dare they lo- mow, like, mow my lawn right now? I'm trying to record a podcast. but uh, <laughs> so you, I'm going to do my best to get rid of the noise, listeners, but if it's, if it's there, you remind me, I apologize, not much I can do about it. One of my favorite pins I have is I play uh, Dungeons and Dragons and it's a rainbow D20, like 20 sided die that says roll with pride. And it's like one of my favorite pins. I oh, that's Cool. I love, I love so that. Uh, nerdiness and queerness in one. Uh, That's, my that, that could be the subtitle of my autobiography. To be <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, um, we're going to ask you some 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 questions about uh, just general stuff and also some of your, your non binaryness. Um, yeah. So, how do you, which is a word, yes. I'm sure. Totally. Um, <laughs> So I want to totally. ask, um, how, how do you personally identify? Um, I am a big, big fan of the word queer, and I use that to describe myself in all senses of the word, or all sense of, uh, senses of identity, I should say. I find it to be a very freeing term. I know that a lot of, like myself and my youth, and a lot of youth that I see today, they struggle to find their own specific label for themselves, whether it's in their gender expression or their, you know, sexual orientation. And I, I've witnessed and I experienced a lot of like pressure to find that very specific label for myself. And I see it, like I said, in youth today. And I find that the word queer is so all encompassing and like I said, freeing. Um, it's something that I, I love to use as much as I can. Yeah. Queer is definitely that's my word. That's me. It's actually one of my like favorite words. I yeah. think because it can mean so many different things in so many different settings. Yes, for sure. For sure. And I also find that um, with like the labels, I find that a lot of the time if I were to use like, I don't know the specific, we'll call them micro labels for now because there is such a plethora of them. And I know that a lot of people find them they find those words helpful to them. And I'm not, you know, I totally get that. But I personally find that when I use those words that I've been given, it takes more out of me to explain what they mean to people. So for myself, it's helpful to me to know all those words. But when explaining my gender and my sexuality to other people, queer is, that's it, baby. That's my word. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it's an extremely effective shorthand. Like, it's like you said, like, if you don't want to, like, 
sometimes I'm perfectly cool with like talking about just me personally, like my sexuality and gender or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, like sometimes if I don't feel it, like sometimes I feel like getting into it. I'm like, okay, I'll have this conversation. This person mm-hmm. is curious. But if you like don't feel like it, like queer is a, like queer says a lot. Well, yeah. it, it, it tells me like a good amount of information while still being like pretty, pretty quick, mm-hmm. so to mm-hmm. speak. For sure. Agreed. And I also feel like my own experience is so fluid um, in both gender and sexuality that it's easier for me to just use that term instead of trying to wake up every day and be like, and today I am this and mm-hmm. I feel this. <laughs> um, and I, I, I encourage people to kind of, you know, look into that when they feel sort of overwhelmed with the number of ways that they can express themselves to others. Um, I, I, I've noticed from people in the community, like if they're like, I, I've noticed this with a lot of like, I personally identify as cis, cisgender, which is a term we covered in the first half. Um, pop this quiz listener, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, this is a gender studies 101. Um, <laughs> this is not pass fail, you need to know. <laughs> So, like, I've noticed, like, even sometimes, like, so, like, cisgender, let's say, like, gay people, like, a lot of cisgender gay men who are, like, me, I've met, like, they're, like, I don't, sometimes they'll be, like, I don't quite understand a lot of these, like, non-binary terms and stuff like that, and, like, queer can be kind of a good, like, it's good for them to obviously, like, learn more about it, but, Mm -hmm. like, queer can be a good shorthand for kind of just, like, they're queer, they're part of the community, there's it is what it is and a lot of times that just that works out really well i found in my personal experience like kind of explaining it to other fellow cisgender um so yeah i think i think it seems like we're all in agreement of the 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 queer queer label being a a okay yes (laughs) generally now yes (laughs) That's great. Thank you. So our next question we have for you is what advice would you give someone who thinks they may be envy? Hmm. I'd say surround yourself with queer media that represents you. That's something that in all facets of my life I found to be beneficial. As a Black person too, raised in, you know, a white like society surrounding myself with media of people who look like me was beneficial to my own self-love and when I was in middle school I was watching Glee which you know helped me understand what the queer experience what Glee is its own thing but um surrounding myself with media that looked that had people that looked and expressed themselves like I wanted to really empowered me to be able to do that And I also find that um, there's, I feel like there's a stigma, whether it's, you know, made up in your own head or, you know, you see it places of, you know, maybe I'm non-binary or maybe I'm trans and, but I don't want to like make a mistake or I don't want people to think I'm faking. And I feel like that, especially with younger people, actually I'm not even going to say with younger people, I'll say with people who are new to you know, understanding they're, they're fresh on their queer journey, let's call it. Um, there's this fear of not being taken seriously or like, what if I'm doing the wrong thing? You know, what if this isn't really me? And I feel like it's important to remember that there's no permanent state of self. And that's something that helped me a lot. 
there's no, you're never going to be one thing for your whole life. You're not a teenager forever. You're not, you know, you don't have to be a specific way forever. And just because you experience yourself in a specific way for a certain amount of time doesn't make it any less valid. You know, I have friends who have transitioned and then detransitioned. I have friends who, you know, they're, there, there's no one way to express yourself in any in any sense of the word. So I feel like allowing yourself to pursue things that you want without judgment in whatever form that is, whether it's, you know, wearing different types of clothing or consuming different types of media or doing your hair a certain way, any little thing that makes you feel more comfortable in your own journey just go for it because I guarantee you 100% there is someone out there whose queerness is just like yours. Oh, that was uh, really, really well put. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> I think that was beautiful. Thank I think you. that like for, I guess, transparency, since you were in the first half of what we spoke about, we have spoken about like how we identify um, to the listeners and like disclose like our own, some of our own stuff around that and talking about, International Non-Binaries People's Day and learning how like it was purposefully created in between uh, what National Women's Day and Men's Day. I thought that was like some dope info. I didn't even uh, know that. That's so cute. Right? You know, oh, I us love that. queers just be on it and <laughs> not to toot our own horn, but to toot, toot, toot. toot. Yes. Um, and I think like, even going through some of the definitions of transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming, and different mm-hmm. things like that. The, I want to say, T, G, and C, and B overarching community, I think, mm-hmm. that information rings so clear. Not that it does it for the LGBT community in general, mm-hmm. um, but especially when... Um, All right, can you just, like, uh, backtrack and say what what that, like, ser- series of letters means? True. I'll do the jargon giraffe. Not that anybody can see it because this is a podcast. Amari did the jargon, uh, jargon I, yeah. giraffe and it was excellent. You can totally record. see it. <laughs> um, but uh, TGNC NB is transgender nonconforming and non-binary. Um, and sometimes it's, con- it's uh, a what do they call it? Abbreviation? No, not abbreviation. Is it abbreviation? Acronym? An acronym. Different A word. It's an acronym that is mentioned outside of the LGBTQ community um, Mm -hmm. just to separate the experiences of transgender, gender nonconforming, and non-binary people. That can be vastly different from individuals who are cis and are in the LGBTQ community. And then, you know, within either side of that, there are sub-communities that have their own more specific experiences and sub-communities based on, you know, a whole plethora of things also. But that's, uh, I want to say a newer, what did we say it was? An acronym? Acronym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's think, a newer yeah. acronym, yeah. Awesome. Cool. I, I, think you were, I think you were leading towards a point before I uh, interrupted for clarity. Um, Forgot it. Okay, fair enough. That's <laughs> top quality information here (laughs) (laughs) y'all like aside from advice so like we have i know me and zach have mentioned it earlier and i think Mm -hmm. you mentioned it a little bit like there are sub communities upon sub communities upon sub communities and the queer community can be meta 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 i think 
often out uh, individuals not having enough information about the non-binary community. There's a thought that different sub-communities are just all the same. So like a person being gender fluid is the same as a person who's non-binary mm. or gender queer or gender non-conforming even. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you would say for yourself, the, the differences around some of those terms can be. Sure. Feel free to redirect me because I know I'm going to get off topic. We love it. <laughs> but even stepping back from that, I feel like a lot of people, before I get into that, I should say, I feel like a lot of people, um, when they hear non-binary, they immediately think like, a lot of people have, you know, the perception that non-binary is like the third gender and that it's this like gender neutral, androgynous, you know, in between kind of spot. And I'm sure you guys already addressed that in the first part. But I feel like because that is the first, you know, a lot, a lot of non-binary people, I feel like that we see in media do tend of the little that we get, mm-hmm. um, do tend to fall into that kind of like gender neutral femme kind of spot and I feel like looking into the different what do we call them like subcategories of sure queer sure we'll, we'll call it that yeah. um look <laughs> of queerness now yeah yeah we are someone give me my degree it's like in, <laughs> um, inception except la- it's not layers of dreams it's layers of queerness yes yeah. wow I love that <laughs> actually um someone Christopher Nolan direct that movie um but okay so looking in like I feel like going into those kinds of um looking into those subcultures is that what we said yeah I'm really focused on language today I don't know what's up with me but um going into those helps you kind of understand the plethora of non-binary experiences because someone who's non-binary and is gender fluid you know, might present very differently from someone who is a demigirl or someone who is very androgynous. And I feel like that's beneficial to, you know, not understanding queerness as a whole, but understanding, no, y'all say that, but also understanding the non, the, that non-binary is not a monolith experience. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Uh, No, we just had a, we had an entire inside joke in the first episode about mo- monoliths that you just keyed into by accident, and I love that so much. It was totally on purpose. I was listening in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, because um, especially, like, in the last job that I had, um, there were three non-binary people who, well, there were four, actually. Let me start over. No, let me continue. There were three non-binary people that were all hired at the same time we got there in the end and because a majority of the employees in that setting had only known the one non-binary non-binary person that was there before they didn't understand that because our expression wasn't the same as theirs that we were still non-binary and like one day when I like because as I said before I use she and they pronouns there was a time when my cis co-workers were talking and I explained to them that I also you know, fell under the non-binary identifier, as we call it. Sidebar, I like, I am, my, my gender is non-binary, but I don't use non-binary as a identifier. Does that make sense? Or should I elaborate on that? 
I would love elaboration. Okay, so when I, with the word non-binary, it has many uses to me. This is my own experience again. Um, non-binary can be, I see a lot of people use non-binary as their term to describe their gender, but I also see it used as an adjective. So how do I put that into better words? This is something I struggle with. <laughs> so I also, along with queer, I use gender fluid. That's like my main identifier for my gender. My gender fluctuates. Sometimes I feel more like a girl. Sometimes I feel more like a boy. Sometimes I feel like neither, both, etc. And so that definition in itself is a non-binary experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I also feel like the term non-binary can be used in the sense of um, like this is my gender. Does that also make sense? If I'm not being clear, please let me know. I think for me, it makes sense. Okay. I think so too. Okay. I just wanted to (laughs) make that clear. So because, so back to the, my coworkers, I tried, you know, explaining to them that my non-binary experience is not the same as everyone else's. It didn't click with them because I didn't have that androgynous look to me. I didn't have, didn't use only they, them pronouns. And, you know, when I said that to them, one of my coworkers was like, oh, I didn't know you were a they, them. I was like, well, I do use this. And also just because someone's non-binary doesn't mean that they use, you know, they them pronouns there are a hundred different pronouns you could use Mm -hmm. um and i feel like you know giving them the materials and those phrases like you know demigirl gender fluid other subcultures of being uh, other things under the non-binary umbrella let's say is beneficial to them in understanding how different non-binary people can be because like i said to them it can be it kind of feels like the third gender um yeah so what happened was uh, Zach here did not realize that Zoom had a 40-minute time limit. So we had to basically reset, reset the meeting with, uh, with Zoe and Amari here real quick to make sure that one of their excellent points didn't get interrupted mid, mid-sentence. Oh, technology. No, th- th- thank you. Thank you, technology. Zoom. So, yeah. Um, I, I think we, we um, leave off. I think, Zoe, you were explaining some language, some, like, oh, yes. I language was ta- around. Sorry, like, no, you're good. It was about, like, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the, mm-hmm. um, about the, thing with the, the stuff. stuff. Yes. Yeah, they know about, about the it. the terms, the terms under the umbrella of non-binary yes. and how yes. educating yourself on those, whether you are maybe non-binary or not, helps give you an overarching um, image of how different a non-binary experience can be from a different non-binary experience. Mm. Which is a very concise way of saying what it took me like three minutes to say before. Well, to be fair, you had about like 10 minutes to think about it between us. (laughs) Valid. Making Zoom function. So, yeah. That gave you kind of, I'm not, yeah, just like kind of a quick little revision process yeah exactly um so yeah uh next question we have here is how can cisgender people best support non-binary people Hmm. i would say first of all 
educating yourself that's always the best thing you can do for someone who's different from you in any way educate yourself on their experience not through asking them 15,000 questions however um google is this great resource not a whole lot of people know about it i think it's underground um but google is something that you can type your questions into and it will give you answers okay real quick um, i have about 20 follow-up questions to that um if you, if you <laughs> yeah go ahead ask me them one by one uh, <laughs> and, I me to and please answer each one in excruciating detail with an answer of no less than 15 minutes yes you got it feel free to interrupt me and tell me how i'm wrong the whole time all right well, actually, no. <laughs> actually. <laughs> but um, I will say one resource that I always recommend to people for a plethora of, I, I don't know what to call them, hu- human, humanitarian. There's a word for this. I know there is because there's a class you can take on it. Basically, anyone who is not of a white cisgender, like, hetero experience. Let me try this again. Any, uh, there's a website that I suggest to anyone who's trying to find out something about people that are different from them. Everydayfeminism.com has a whole lot of intersectional um, issues and articles on them. There we go, intersectional. About, you know, whether it's something about religion, gender, sexuality, race. Everydayfeminism.com is a fantastic resource for, it's written by people of marginalized experiences, um, for people who are also of marginalized experiences or of those who are not. That's a great resource that I absolutely recommend to cisgender people um, in reading about um, different queer experiences in general. And I'll also say, this is something that um, Amari and I talked about when we did, um, we did a little class a couple, a couple months ago about, it was like know, last year. Was it, re- I have no sense of time I know, anymore. Kind of a construct. Co- COVID has, bru- it, is it, is it August? Is it Tuesday? Is it 7 p.m.? What do those anymore. mean? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, but in that little like 101 that we did, a big thing that um, I feel helped get through to people was don't worry about being offensive or not offensive think about whether or not you're being respectful and that's something that I feel is going to help like a lot of people in that little class we'll call it a class um they were like can I like is it rude to ask someone their pronouns is it rude if I ask them like what gender they are and you know, when we said to them, it's totally okay. It's encouraged that you ask someone's pronouns, you know, someone's specific gender. That's not necessarily something you need to know. Um, if you're asking someone a question, it should be a question that when that you need the answer in order to interact with them in a specific way. Like you don't really need to know someone's gender that doesn't influence how you interact with them, but you might need to know their pronouns if you're trying to figure out how to address them. Yeah, um, for for example, like obviously, like this is a podcast about LGBTQ plus stuff, which is why I asked you how you personally identify. Right. I would not ask that of some person standing next to me, like in line at the grocery store, for example. Right. That's not information I need from them in that context right. in any way, right. shape, or form. Right. Whereas here, it was relevant to the conversation, mm-hmm. and you didn't you didn't come up and be like, "So what's in your pants?" Because it's, <laughs> it's not relevant. <laughs> Which, by Generally, the way, that is not my favorite ag- question. Yeah, that is just I'm just just so ag- aggressive. Just like no other preceding questions, like no name. Just like what's in your pants? Yep, a guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, 
So what were we saying? Um, how? <laughs> Sorry, I lost that guillotine. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite response. But so let's see. How can cis people help? Yes. Okay. So educate yourself on the queer experience. If you, if there is a question that you're going to ask a non-binary person, I encourage that it's something that only they can answer. They're not an open source. And also maybe I'm biased, but I'm a big fan of compensating marginalized people when asking them about their marginalized experience. Um, you know, I have friends who are differently abled than I am. And when I ask them a question that I can't find the answer to on Google, whether it's about vocabulary or their specific um, experience, I'll be like, by the way, what's your Venmo? What's your cash app? can I buy you a coffee for this conversation? And I'll just send them like five bucks. It's not necessary, but it's a very nice gesture. Um, yeah, I've actually seen that a lot and weirdly enough, like the gaming community or like the tabletop gaming community specifically. Just saying. Um, um, well, because I've known, D, so a DM in this context means a dungeon master who's the person who like kind of facilitates and runs the game for people who are like not in the know for tabletop gaming. And I know of some people who have like, so let's say you're writing a story for your, your playable characters and you're like you're like trying to write a story for them and that includes like NPCs, which stands for non-playable character of people who are from a background different. Okay, so let's this is a fake example, but so I'm a white <laughs> cisgender gay person. Let's say I wanted to include a queer woman of color in my game. I've known some GMs or DMs if they know someone or if it's applicable to kind of get, uh, pick someone's brain who is in that specific group and then compensate them for like their stuff, especially if it's any kind of like professional gaming setting, but even like if not. So that's, yeah, I, I've seen that done a few times and I think that's a great way to like because I mean, it's like you—it's like you said, like coming up to you with a bunch of questions. What's your questions must probably get like pretty frustrating sometimes. But if someone is like willing to be patient and like even like compensate for that, that's like an entirely different animal, mm -hmm. I imagine. For sure, yeah. Um, and I will say it's different for different experiences. You know, if you're an adult and you have you know access to these resources online, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume you have internet access <laughs> and you can. By default. Probably, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, when I was in high school, I was kind of like the gay Avenger somehow. Like, I was the person. Please that, elaborate. Yeah, I was the person that kids would message being like, how do I know if I'm bisexual? How do I know what does pansexual mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was fine with it because I was in high school. And, you know, the only resource that I knew of was like Tumblr. So I was just like vomiting <laughs> this info from Tumblr that I had onto, you know, my friends. And a lot of people that, you know, years after they came to me and they were like, you're, you know, I didn't know about any of this until I asked you about it. And, you know, I understand, like, that's a great experience to have. But, you know, if nowadays people were coming up to me, you know, students from Hudson Valley walked up to me and it's like, what does pansexual mean? I'd be like, dude, I, the library's right there, you know? <laughs> um, I'm going to get coffee right now. Like, that's right. too early in the morning to answer that. Like, don't you know they have pancakes with all of the toppings on upstairs? Like, yeah. you're going to answer this now. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just trying to figure out what logarithms are, dude. I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> I think something that I mentioned earlier, we were talking about uh, pronouns, and I think I stated 
it might have been on the mic. It might have been like when me and Zach were talking before that, like I learned of other pronouns other than she, he, and they from mm-hmm. Tumblr because Tumblr was like yep. the biggest source of anything queer um, and educational and great. And just was, was I want to say was because I don't use it for that anymore. Um, and I don't think many people use it for that anymore, but a uh, an archive of great educational resources for the LGBTQ community, especially within like the aspects of non-binary, transgender and androgyny and what that can look like in so many different ways. Um, If you have the right tags to search it. And like in talking about pronouns was like the humanness that comes out of just making mistakes and you know, people will make mistakes all the time. And like you said, it's about education, educating yourself to recognize, you know, yeah, you made a mistake, but you're going to do better and not putting that onus on the person Absolutely. Um, to, to be your source of education because there are people, there are non-binary people, there are gender non-conforming people, there are trans people, there are people of color who do the work literally to educate yes. um, cis and, and, um, people outside of the LGBT um, or the TGNC community. And with that comes compensation because it is physical and mental labor um, to put it, put those experiences out for others. Um, so always thankful for you Zoe to, to show up um, in the way that you show up in community and being in this space. It's just want to give you your accolades, give you your roses. Thank you. Because you deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And also jumping off that one little thing that I did want to add, um, diversity consultants, they usually charge like 400 to $600 an hour. So before you go ask your coworker 17,000 questions, mm-hmm. keep that in mind, mm-hmm. listeners, cisgender listeners. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I did not know the the rates are oh yeah i mean it varies but money it can can change from uh from who is doing who they're doing a training for Mm -hmm. like from a non-profit to a for-profit business to the government it is cute Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's just like sticker shock i just genuinely did not know that (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. wow that's awesome when i i mean i only became aware of that a couple of weeks ago when I saw um, someone posted some infographic on it and I was like noted (laughs) (laughs) noted so now if someone's like do you think I'm currently involved in a lot of like theater diversity talks in terms of like race uh, a lot of them and people are like can you come be a consultant for me and I'm like one of my mentors was like here's what you're gonna say when they ask you that here's my cash app yep and lesson learned yep Seems like a very good approach. Mm-hmm. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so is there like anything you would like to like share or bring up in the discussion while you're here? Like anything that you think is important to talk about when um, we when we saw that there this month has an international non-binary people's day, we were just like, yes, this 100%. Um, so is there anything that you think is super relevant that should come up in these conversations for us who aren't identifying in that area? Well, not necessarily for us, but we can't determine what should show up in this area. That's what I mean. Very good. I'd say one additional thing for um, cisgender people in 
you know, understanding non-binary experiences and interacting with your non-binary peers, um, the word thank you goes really far. I've seen a lot lately um, of pushing to, you know, if you're talking to someone and you get their pronouns wrong, um, rather than being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I Like, I'm trying. I promise I'm trying. It's just so hard to get used to it. I promise I'm trying. Just say thank you. You know, if they correct you, just say thank you. Restart your sentence with the proper pronoun. I think that's. I've definitely to- transitioned into like, I used to be that person just because I'm a natural like apologizer just in general. But all of that, and I've managed to make that external panic go internally, which is a, a step in the right direction, I'd say. <laughs> in the first half, Amari and I were joking about how, like, now instead I just uh, wake up at 3 a.m. and think about every awkward social interaction I've had, including accidentally misgendering someone, yes. until I don't go to sleep. <laughs> a healthy way to deal with that. It isn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> and I also, I totally get that. Even as, you know, a genderqueer person myself, I still struggle with the proper, you know, apologies sometimes, but getting into the habit of, you know, taking it back into yourself, being like, it's not about me. This is about their experience. I'm, you know, it's about, it's about them has really helped me kind of put it into perspective. Like I said, there's no one non-binary experience. So adjusting to someone else's might be a little bit of a, I don't want to say challenge, but an adjustment, let's say. What else? And as I kind of, I did kind of say in the beginning at first, um, as far as advice to someone who thinks that they may be non-binary, I was like, don't focus on like the specific terminology. Um, I said that because from what I've seen, I'm part of a handful of Facebook groups and a lot of the people in these four people who are genderqueer, sorry, let me specify, or are non-binary or are questioning. Um, And a big part of that that I see are people younger than me trying to, you know, every day they make a new post and it's like, oh, actually, I think I might be, um, you know, a demigirl. The next day they're like, I might actually be trans. And it's okay to kind of just let it flow. It's okay. That's why I said that, you know, if you find um, empowerment in these specific terms, by all means go for it. But I feel like I see a lot of people stressing themselves out over finding their specific term when really your first priority should be finding yourself first. Don't, don't worry about trying to squeeze yourself into, you know, a specific slot because it, it, it might not fit you and it's okay if it doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're lost. That doesn't mean that you're alone which is also why I said, you know, finding um, representations of queerness that look like yourself. TikTok, which I know is kind of, it might be silly to say, but TikTok is a huge, is a huge, huge, huge queer presence. And it's queer youth too. So you see people from ages, you know, 14 up until their mid twenties and even beyond that sometimes um, having their own non-binary experience. And it's very validating for sure to see people like you, um, label free even you know you don't necessarily know what labels they use and you might be like hey that's exactly how I you know present myself um it's 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 nice to see as far as in education because I'm also in education I do a lot teachers or administrators who may be listening team Finch consultants is someone that I would love to plug Jennifer Bryant is her name she's Um, she runs the thing. And when I was 12, she came to my school and we had a whole day where the middle school sat down in the auditorium and she essentially broke down everything relating to queerness, essentially. You know, she broke down the difference between gender identity and gender expression. Um, And, you know, 
all these different, you know, the difference between male, female, androgynous outside of that, somewhere in between each of those labels. Um, and I was 12. And that has made a huge impact on how I present myself, how, you know, okay with myself I am. And I don't think bringing that into a classroom is anything that should be, you know, controversial. If you're helping your students, you're helping your students. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely something that I would love to encourage more educators to do, normalizing it in the classroom, learning how to interact with your non-binary students because they're kids, you know, kids make, it makes all the difference when they're kids and kids make all the difference when they grow up. Mm -hmm. um, supporting youth is something I'm, I'm big on if you couldn't tell, <laughs> but I think that's, that's something I, yeah, I, that's all encompassing the rest of what I'd like to bring up. Well, thank you so much. Like you are a wealth of knowledge and energy and spirit that just shows up. And I know thank I you. appreciate you just coming on and giving your experiences and giving your advice to hopefully some dope young people who are listening right now. Whatever thank right you. now means because time is a contract. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate y'all. Thank you for this opportunity. Like I said, I, lo I love my youth because I was one not too long ago. No, it feels <laughs> like it with this coronavirus nonsense. But yeah. thank you for this opportunity, both of you. Yeah, just to mirror what Omari said, um, yeah, you were an absolute delight to have on. Thank you so much for coming and uh, share sharing your experiences. Thank you. When and also interrupt back. Amari, me and Amari's uh, incoherent babbling about the construction happening outside of our apartments. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> now I don't exactly know what's happening outside, but I feel like somebody knocked on my door, but I can't necessarily hear. Oh. So I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Sorry, someone started doing lawn work at the house behind me. I don't know either. We all just struggling uh, out here. I don't know if this is something you want to share. I'll just give you the opportunity to. Um, we include our emails in the middle of the show, but if you're on like social media or anything like that, you want to plug. Um, oh, feel yeah. Feel free to do so if that is something that is within your desire. Yeah. You, um, people can reach me. I say Instagram is probably the best way to reach me because I don't really check my Facebook messages a lot but you can find me on Instagram it's Mr. Mooney M-R-M-O-O-N-I-E you can see me be a princess and talk about some intersectional issues on my stories on the daily um, if you have a specific Those question are like two like, of my favorite things intersectionality right? and princesses same, honestly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and if you have a question that you can't find the answer to on Google and I'm the only person you can ask, <laughs> feel free to reach out. I'll send you my cash app. Uh, <laughs> no, but you can absolutely reach out to me, especially if you're young and I got you. I got your back. I'm here for you. Awesome. Well, um, so we, we have a sign-off that I would love to encourage you to be a part of. Yes. So uh, me and Amari, we, uh, we basically just go, um, I'm Zach, I'm Amari, and then together we say we are free to be. Sometimes it does not synchronize, but if it's close enough, it's fine. So um, I'm ready. Well, are you ready? Well, want to just go for it? Yeah. Right. I'm Zach. I'm Amari. I'm Zoe. And, and we, we are, are free, to, free be. to be. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs>